September 9, 2021. It was a day of reckoning, a day of joy and celebration for Malaysian mothers who have been trying so hard for years to finally get an information by the Kuala Lumpur High Court that children born overseas to Malaysian mothers and foreign fathers are automatically entitled to Malaysian citizenship. Judge Akta Tahir emphasised that the courts are empowered to interpret the law to uphold the spirit of the federal constitution and ensure justice. The judge also ruled that Malaysian women married to foreign men have the same right as Malaysian men married to foreign women to confer citizenship by operation of law on the children born overseas. However, two days after that, the government appealed against the High Court verdict. Hi, this is Norman Go, and you're listening to Bichara Mingo Ini. In this episode, I speak to Ronan Collins, spouse to Malaysian mother Chong Wai Lee, who is one of the six mothers together with Family Frontiers started the legal proceedings last year, seeking a declaration that Malaysian women married to foreign spouses can automatically get citizenship for the children who are born overseas. Ronan and Wiley were among tens of thousands of parents who had been trying to register their children as a Malaysian citizen. Segambut MP Hanayo revealed that there were estimated 40,000 pending applications from Malaysian women seeking citizenship for their children. But what will happen after this? Public pressures are mounting and growing calls by lawmakers and even members of the cabinet to rescind the decision by the Attorney General's chambers to appeal against the case. Question is, would the new Malaysian Prime Minister Ismail Sabri uphold his mantra of Kloaga Malaysia? Yeah, so, so your comment regarding um, the benefit of an appeal that will go through the appellate court and ultimately the Supreme Court um, is a valid comment. It, it will add um, gravi- gravi- gravity and levitude to the actual decision that was made last week at the KL High Court, but it's not necessary. So from the advice that we've been given, the decision that was made by the judge in the High Court last week is a, is a national decision, even though it was, it was made at the KL High Court, it's considered to be applicable across the nation. Um, and it's not necessary for us to actually go through an appeal hearing and ultimately a Supreme Court hearing that we believe we're going to win um, for the government to actually understand that this, this is now going to be the way forward and that Malaysian mothers have the same rights as Malaysian fathers when the constitution is read in its entirety um, and the discrimination clauses that were added to the constitution in 2001 have a bearing on how the constitution should be read from cover to cover. Well, speaking about your personal experience, you you told me that you were working in Hong Kong back then and that's where your son was yeah. born. Probably can share a bit about your experience when your son was born and uh, what, were the, what were the experience? Um, that was 15 years ago, not too far ago, but again, uh, no, personally, so, well, he was born. He was born in two thousand. He was born in two thousand fourteen. So it's only yeah. seven years ago. So it's still it's still a very much a live matter. It's still very much an ongoing matter. Mm. So what was the the, the process back then? Uh, what, what were some of the experiences uh, seven years ago when your son was born? Yeah. So so he was born um, in August two thousand fourteen, um, and in, in early September of that same year, I went to the Malaysian consulate. We had prepared all of the necessary documents as per the Malaysian government requirements. So birth certificates, marriage certificates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was delivering those documents to the Malaysian consulate um, 
with a naive understanding that within a matter of weeks or months, they would grant us a Malaysian citizenship and passport. And the Malaysian consul staff in Hong Kong were very helpful. They were very informative, but they informed us it would take potentially years for the application to actually be completed. Um, I'm an Irish national. I I've, 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 was born and raised in Ireland. I've been living in Asia since 2000. Um, and I use my um, status to get him an Irish passport so that we could travel. But we always wanted to go back and live in Kuala Lumpur. And we've been living in Kuala Lumpur for the last five years. So once I obtained him an Irish passport, which allowed him to travel, we then went back to the Malaysian consulate and started the process of applying for his citizenship. So we submitted all the same paperwork. We knew then it was going to take a while we didn't we we didn't realize it was going to take as long as it has and it's still not complete um, and the consulate accepted the documents they gave us a reference number um, which was scribbled on a piece of paper and they basically said the kdn would contact us in due course that was in 2014 in october and we moved back to malaysia a little a little bit less than two years later and we followed up on the case in putrajaya and we were told the case was in process um, it was bouncing around in KDN. We don't know between what departments. And again, the KDN staff in Kudrajai were very helpful, very informative, um, but they just didn't have a decision that they could give to us. Um, we eventually received a rejection letter to say the application was not uh, approved. And we were given basic advice to start the whole process again, which we did. So we made another application. Um, and that application is still um, going around KDN, seeking citizenship for our son. Um, and when we call them, and we call them on a regular basis, um, we get the same response that the case is being moved from one department to another department or it's being assessed by somebody or that we get some canned response that says basically it's in progress, but we never get any certainty or any resolution that it's moving forward. Um, and we got involved with Family Frontiers probably about two years ago and, and started to understand that we weren't the only family. Obviously, there's a large number and, and we believe there's over 50,000 applications at KDN um, that that fall under this umbrella of, of children that were born to Malaysian mothers overseas. Um, and the numbers are star- staggering. The numbers are frightening. Um, there are families who are in much dire, much more worse conditions than ours. Um, people that are stuck in countries that now because of COVID can't travel. And um, people in, in um, relationships that would be considered to be abusive or very dangerous to the children. The mother can't leave because she can't confer citizenship and bring her children to a safe country. Um, and there's a number of other cases that are just harrowing. So we've taken it upon ourselves to support Family Frontiers. And with the group of, of families, we've taken this case to the High Court. Um, we believe we have a, a just and fair hearing from the High Court last week. Um, and while we are not surprised, the KDN are now appealing this and they have instructed the Attorney General to issue an appeal. It is extremely frustrating and extremely um, disheartening. Um, and... Um, we are left with two options. And the first option is that we're going to canvas over the next couple of weeks for the prime minister to intervene. Uh, and we ask that the, the new prime minister follows up on his Malaysian family mantra and steps in and, and, and requests the KDN withdraw the appeal and start to follow the high court decision and put in place procedures to grant citizenship to children. And um, failing that withdrawal, we will continue this battle in the appellate court. We have got the commitment, we have got the energy, and we have the, we have the resources, and we will continue to fight the government on this case. Um, we believe we're on the right side of this argument. The High Court has basically confirmed that last week. Um, and we believe the Appellate Court will uphold that here, that decision last week. And we believe ultimately, if it goes to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court will ultimately hold, upload the, upheld the same decision. So the decision that has to be made in KDN and the Prime Minister's office is, do they really want to have this exercise taken out over the next 18 months or 24 months for this to be 
publicly shown across social media. You'll see on social media there's been a lot of a lot of angry comments, a lot of frustration, a lot of support for the Family Frontiers Group. Um, is this really what the Malaysian, the new Malaysian government want? Um, they should they have a chance now to stand up and show that they mean what they say, and they have a chance to show that Malaysian mothers are equal and have the same rights as Malaysian fathers when they have children overseas. Yeah, what are some of the uh, stories they have also heard from other families, uh, those who are also fighting this case? What stories have we heard? Yeah, I mean, what are among the stories that you remember uh, speaking to other parents? So, so we have we have, we have Malaysian friends who are in Hong Kong who have have had families in Hong Kong. Their Malaysian mothers are married to different nationalities. Um, and some of them were trying to find ways to go back to Malaysia during the pregnancy so they could stay in Malaysia and, and give birth in Malaysia and then return to their jobs in Hong Kong. Um, we know of people that were working in Malaysia and working for Malaysian co- companies, some of them very large companies that were posted overseas for their career and they were representing Malaysian companies and Malaysian interests and, and they were moving forward their lives, having a normal life. And when they when their family came along with it, when the children came along, it was like us, they didn't, then realized that there was a problem. And then when they returned to Malaysia, they then realized that getting citizenship for the children was an issue. And um, we've come across cases of people in countries where they've given birth and um, they may be out of wedlock. They may be in a, in a case where there's a divorce. They may be in a case where the father has uh, passed away and, and the mother is left in a foreign country. She can't return to Malaysia because she can't get citizenship for her children, and it's too difficult to get bring them back based on where they're coming from. And um, so, there's a number of families who are basically left out in the cold, if you will, because they haven't got the the, the ability to get a Malaysian citizenship and move the children back. And then there's a number of families that have, for one reason or another, one of their children was born overseas, and they have two siblings or three siblings that are Malaysian passport holders, and one of the children is not. And it is extremely, extremely stressful to think that one of your siblings, whether it be a younger brother or an older sister or whatever it is, is not considered to be the same. So they can't go to the same schools. They can't go to the same hospital. They have to get special treatment. It's 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 crazy is the one way to describe it. So so there's all of these different varieties, whether it's from people who work overseas for Malaysia, people who've met and gone overseas and come back people who've made commitments for whatever reason and, and have ended up in, 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 especially now in COVID-19, people cannot travel. There's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of children being born in the last 12 to 18 months overseas because they couldn't get back to Malaysia. And those children now fall into this net that they're not entitled through the law. At least they are now under the Supreme, the, the high court hearing of last week, but up until now they weren't entitled to a Malaysian passport. So a lot of families like ours, they, they want to make Malaysia their home. They want, to, they want to raise their family in Malaysia. They want to spend time with their grandparents, their cousins, their aunts, their uncles. But because of this interpretation by the government of the constitution, they can't. And that's why we're taking this, this case up. I think it has been, has been quite a journey for a lot of parents, um, those who are abroad. And also there's a lot of harrowing stories of how um, some of them you have been shared. I think one of my personal um, understanding when I when I was uh, in a working trip to Hanoi as well as Ho Chi Minh, we've also seen a lot of uh, cases like that, even in, in Southeast Asia countries where uh, a lot of Malaysian women where they're working, it's always a problem where they needed to actually leave the job to come back to Malaysia just to give birth because 
through that, it's it's uh, it will also allow the conferment of the citizenship when they give birth in Malaysia. But that does not actually apply when they're when they're abroad. So this has been quite a very contentious issue, but. It's yeah. not usually being covered because uh, they don't get to see the light. But now, because of how the family farm case has also brought in this sort of uh, case to the court, and we've seen how the high court has responded to it by giving and uh, ensuring the equality for Malaysian women to confer citizenship. So, how has it been for the past two years? the Family Frontiers has uh, working on this kind of case. And uh, what is your view of the Malaysian, um, the response from Malaysians themselves towards this case that you've seen over the past week? Okay, so there's a, there's a number of parts to your question. So the first one is the, let's discuss the Family Frontiers and, and their approach to this. Um, the, the, the team in Family Frontiers are uh, incredible. They're Commitment to this is um, unquestionable. Some of them have had personal experience. Some of them are doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. And they they have been seeking ways for a lot longer than the two years that we've known them to figure out how to sort this out. So some of the people involved, from what I can understand, have been looking at this for well over the last 10 years to try, try and figure out how to resolve this issue. This is, this is not something that's cropped up recently. This has been a problem for many, many years. So the team of Family Frontiers are unbelievable in their commitment to this. And the team of lawyers that have come to our support have also spent countless hours trying to understand and, and trying to put together the right way to put this case forward. And it took the courage of six mothers to put their names in the case. Sorry, it's a bit emotional, even in my own voice. So there's a lot of emotion in this. Um, and there's a lot of frustration. So when we started in December, we, we obviously took counsel from our own friends, our own, our own contacts, and, and I know people who are, have a lot of experience in the, in the law in Malaysia. And, and we were apprehensive about what could possibly happen. And we were completely um, naive about how long this process could take and, and how many obstacles could be put in our way. We were basically, in our own minds, looking at somewhere in the region of a five to 10 year journey to get this and take on this battle through the high court with the Malaysian government and um, knowing full well, that this is a very um, serious issue and also one that's potentially very contentious. So it, we thought long and hard about it and, and we decided that the right thing to do was to get involved. Um, and then we submitted the case in December of last year. And our first glimmer of hope was the reception that we got from the high court judge. And their reaction was, yes, there's something here. Yes, there's an issue. And, and we want to hear it. Um, of course, the Attorney General was doing his job um, and he tried to have the case thrown out on uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm no legal expert, um, but some of the you, you can read some of the reports. Uh, they claimed it was frivolous. They claimed it was uh, a, a false kind of way of doing it. It shouldn't be an NGO going forward. Um, but the High Court was having none of that. So the High Court basically set a date for a hearing. Um, our team put together what I believe is a, a very well put together argument for what we were discussing. We were not asking for a change to the constitution. We were simply asking for the government to read the constitution in its entirety and make a, a, an allowance for the, the anti-discrimination clauses and equality clauses in the constitution. Um, and the high court moved this case along quite quickly. So the appeal by the government was basically heard and, and rejected and it went back to the high court. Um, and the motions by the government to stop this case were rejected by the High Court. And both sides put forward their arguments and the High Court heard them. And the High Court judge 
announced in a matter of weeks that he would announce his decision. So he, his decision was announced on the 9th of September. Um, on the morning of, we were apprehensive. We weren't sure what was going to happen. The High Court judge could have come back looking for more information. He could have come back looking for further uh, statements by the government. We didn't know. But he came out and made what we thought was a, a very genuine, um, a very fair and a, and a very just interpretation. And he made it very clear, and I don't have the words in front of me, but he made it very clear, the judge of the High Court, that the term father in the Constitution is deemed to include the mother. In other words, father is not just the male, it is deemed to include the mother because of the other clauses in the Constitution. So it's been a roller coaster emotionally for Family Frontiers. I was on a call with the mothers and the, and the, the families just, just this weekend. Um, there was a lot of excitement. Um, even my own wife was, was starting to think about how she could get back to Malaysia and sort out the paperwork and, and get to KDN and get a passport for our son. Um, but in the back of my mind, there was always a concern that we were going to have an appeal from that from the KDN, which is what's happened in the last 24 hours. So it's a roller coaster. Um, it's a roller coaster that we knew we were getting on when we sat down. Um, and it's a roller coaster we're going to see through to the end. Um, and it's going to be an emotional stretch. It, there are points where you wonder if you're doing the right thing. There are points where you wonder how is this going to play out. But to answer the second part of your question about the support from the community in Malaysia across the entire spectrum, whether it's in the government, whether it's in the NGOs and, and charities we're working with, whether it's our family and friends, whether it's the general public, whether they're from a kampong, whether they're from a city, whether they're from any part of Malaysia, there's been huge support. If 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 I was to describe what we've won, we won the court of public opinion first, and we won the high court second. The public are well behind us. They believe that this court decision last week was fair and just. Um, you will always find some negative voices, but for the most part, the Malaysians, whether they're from Sarawak, Sabah, Perak, Ipoh, Kuala Lumpur, and from Johor to any other state, any other country, has been voicing their support, voicing their um, excitement that this decision was made and that this, this equality would be seen through in Malaysia. So we are fortunate to have public support. We have political support, and, uh, and numbers of the current cabinet have spoken out and said this was the right decision. Um, but it appears that we don't have enough support in, in the areas that matter, particularly in the KDN and in the Prime Minister's office. So these are the people that we're now trying to coax, trying to convince, trying to poll that they need to understand the decision, understand the gravity, uh, gravity of the decision that was made last week, um, and understand that this decision is very, very unlikely to be overturned by any higher court. This decision is very likely to stand. Um, and now is an opportunity for the Prime Minister, Ismail Sabri, to stand up and say, yes, as part of my Malaysian family commitment, I believe the High Court decision is right. And I believe that KPN, JPN should be putting in place all of the, the procedures, processes, documentation to ensure that all the families that are entitled under this High Court decision to get citizenship do so in the coming weeks and months. A long-winded answer to a straightforward question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I mean... I mean, I wouldn't be able to understand the the emotional roller coaster and the things that you have to go through as a father. And you know, on a final note, what would you say, you know, directly if you're given a chance to tell this to the prime minister? Uh, what would you say to them? And a father to another father uh, on this kind of case, what would you say to the prime minister? An interesting question. I hadn't thought about it that way. I had thought about it a different way. I was actually sitting down last night thinking about how I could how I could communicate what was in my heart, and I, I thought I would I would write a letter to my own son instead of the prime minister. But anyway, um, 
Given the opportunity to sit down with Prime Minister um, Sabri Ismail, I would say very simply as a father to a father that the current process and procedure is unnecessary. And the systems that have been put in place, while they may have seen appropriate 30 years ago or 40 years ago, are no longer appropriate in 2021. Malaysia is part of an international community. Malaysians are working, representing the country overseas in many, many different roles, whether they're sporting roles like my wife has done in the past, whether they're business roles where people are representing Malaysian companies, or whether they're simply people living their lives and exploring the world. Malaysia is part of a massive international community. It is a well-loved country, and the people of Malaysia are super friendly. It is time for Malaysia to modernize. It is time for Malaysia to step up. And it's time for the Malaysian government to wake up and realize that women and men should be treated equally under the eyes of the law. And Ismail Sabri has got the ability and he has got the power and he has got the public support to back this decision by the High Court. Nobody is going to criticize him for backing it. Nobody's going to t- turn him into the bad guy for standing, out, standing by our sides for equality for women. He has a chance to do the right thing he has a chance to actually put a mark in history and say, I support this and I think this decision should stand. And if he chooses not to, he is still going to stand without his support. And he will be seen in history to have stood on the sidelines when he should have actually got involved. Um, and that's the difference between me and him. I'm in it. I'm, I'm part of this. I'm, I'm taking my time to make these interviews. I'm participating. I'm a small guy in the scheme of things, but I'm doing my part and he should do his. Thank you so much for sharing that, Ronan. Listen to the full podcast of Bichara Mingo Ini on Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at I'mNomGo for the latest updates on current affairs and stories. <laughs>